This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. For years, the relationship between brand and consumer has been one factor that has separated companies from their peers. But what do those same relationships mean when it comes to B2B companies? Is there the same customer satisfaction when it comes to businesses on a customer journey? At the end of the day, businesses don't sell to businesses. Human beings sell to other human beings. That's Gina Hortatsos, the CMO of Logicate. And on this episode of Marketing Trends, she discusses why the customer journey for B2B companies needs to evolve. Plus, she dives into the best hiring practices and why a small but mighty team is the way to go. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Gina, how are you? I'm well, Ian, how are you? I am doing well and excited to talk to you about all things marketing, about what you're working on at Logicate, and your background. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing? My path to marketing was, I think, a little non-traditional. My first job after graduate school was as a kind of house researcher at J.D. Power & Associates doing uh, meeting planner and guest satisfaction surveys for upscale luxury hotels. And it was through that experience that I learned how to take data about customer experience and customer sentiment and apply that to how you actually make that customer's experience better. So I was very data-driven. And when I uh, moved up to the Bay Area, uh, it was during the dot-com boom, and I got a job with a market research company. And I was hired by a software company to run customer satisfaction and usage surveys for the software company. And then the CMO of that software company kind of asked, hey, do you wanna, I need a, I need a research analyst. Can you, can you join our team? So I kind of went in-house at that point, but I was still very much, I think, a a data snob. So I was running research for that company. And then the next step was to meet with the leadership team of of that company and talk to them about how we translate the customer experience and how the customers felt about our products into improvement items so that we could make their product better, so that we could do a better job of articulating our differentiators and that is more aligned with their pain points. I believe that that was a great training ground for everything that came after that. Most of my experience was in demand creation marketing, field marketing, and operations marketing. But the areas of brand and product marketing are all steeped in that customer experience. And the job of listening to your customers and listening to your market is job one when it comes to really understanding how to talk to them in their language, meet them where they are in their journey, and ultimately, you know, convince them to partner with you because you're the better business partner for them. And so flash forward to today, what's it like being CMO Logicate? It is fantastic. We are having a great time here at Logicate. Startup life is very fast paced and very, it tends to change quickly. And the ability to 
kind of be on the forefront of the transformation of so many businesses as they look at their risk management process in the same way as they look at how they can have a better relationship with their customers and how they can better uh, tie in their risk mitigation and risk management strategies into driving an overall revenue for the company and a better customer experience for their and for their customers is uh, really a privilege to be a part of. The governance risk and compliance space is decades old. I actually marketed GRC over a decade ago at a previous company. And so it's an old problem. Companies need systems to help them manage their risk in order to be able to not only avoid fines for data breaches or non-compliance with regulations, but also to find better opportunities and take better, more strategic risks. So our, our solution and the, comp- the, the customers that we work with are trying to bring more resilience to their business so they can drive more customer loyalty. And it's really fun to be a part of it. So what does your like, customer persona look like? Um, who are the folks that, that primarily you're working with? We primarily work with information security officers. We work with risk management professionals, compliance management professionals who are looking at their programs and really looking at how they take the risk that they know that they have to mitigate or manage and turn that risk into action items and ways of of solving for those problems. Those people are on the front lines every day trying to be proactive about getting in front of the latest security threat making sure that any third parties that they work with will not get them in trouble if they are not compliant themselves. Trying to take all of the different risks and risk management is harder now than it has ever been, especially post-COVID when people are working from home, which opens up a whole host of potential issues with security, privacy, and what have you. The velocity, variety of risk is increasing exponentially, and you can't do it alone, and you can't do it with uh, emails and spreadsheets anymore. You really do need a system to help manage all of these different risks and have all, all of these risks in one place so you really understand what you're grappling with at any given time. And so what does your team look like? My marketing team is small but mighty. Uh, We have all of the people in place that we need in order to make marketing go. The way that I've organized my team is by, uh, by the customer experience. How do we drive awareness in the market in a way that helps companies of all stripes, whether they're uh, potential partners, investors, or potential customers or current customers, understand the value that we bring to the problems that we have Top of funnel demand creation and digital is the second part of of my org structure, all the way through to field marketing, which is that that team that is embedded in the field and understanding what those kind of quick hit pipeline velocity campaigns need to look at, which looks a little bit different now that we can't do in-person events, but we're working through that. Customer marketing, as well as product marketing and sales enablement. All of these teams work very closely together because obviously there's a need for consistency and messaging throughout all parts of that customer experience with this shared goal of taking the customer through an experience from very first awareness of LogiGate all the way through to happy and productive customer to make sure that 
we are giving that customer everything they need, no matter where they are in their journey with us. And so obviously in, in, in B2B software here, and we have a lot of B2B folks on the show, um, as you've kind of moved around throughout your career, what do you think is some of the things that are like critical for the B2B CMO uh, to kind of have down pat? My answer 10 years ago would probably sound a lot different, but my answer today is that at the end of the day, businesses don't sell to businesses. Human beings sell to other human beings. And the ability to understand your customer, really understand the pains that they're facing, the opportunities that they aspire to, how they make decisions and what part you can play to make their jobs and their lives easier is absolutely paramount to the success of a CMO. Having the brain trust on the customer experience, understanding the market factors and being able to even call out potential trends for the business to look at in order to be able to grow in the future is also a very key component of the chief marketing officer role these days. It's not enough to be the person who just promotes, right? It's not enough to just be the person who drives leads or does the advertising. You really have to have a good handle on the customer experience and on those key market trends and factors to be able to bring true value to your business. And all the technology and all of the analysts and reporting that's out there, there's really no excuse not to be able to do that these days. Yeah. I mean, obviously a lot more tools in, in your toolkit now, uh, a lot more, you know, digital tools than back then. What, what's your relationship with, uh, with sales like? How has that changed? When I first joined LogicGate, I'm coming up on my year anniversary at LogicGate. I sat down with the chief revenue officer and I listened. I believe that at the time, the relationship between sales and marketing was very good, actually. I've worked in I've worked in places where that has not necessarily been the case. I do think, though, that marketing had a reputation for being the lead machine, the inbound machine. Just go get us more inbound leads and we'll be good. And so the chief revenue officer of, of Logic8 and I have made it a concerted effort to define what success looks like along all parts of the funnel. And working with the chief revenue officer and his team to define not only the measures of success that we both share, but translating those into joint goals and KPIs that we are both accountable for has gone a long way towards strengthening even more that sales and marketing alignment. My team has always been measured on revenue. Uh, we have what we call inside voice metrics, which are things that we have to look at, leading indicators like website traffic and conversions and clicks and so forth. But we never talk to sales or to the executive team about those. We talk about revenue. We talk about pipeline. We talk about conversion rates. Uh, we spend a, an hour and a half every month looking at all of that revenue and pipeline data not to point fingers to say, hey, you know, certain channels are not pulling their weight, but to say, okay, what are the trends and patterns we're seeing? If everything looks good, we're not going to just, you know, go home and eat bonbons. We're going to try to overinvest in the areas that look good. If there's a trouble area, we talk about it, we figure out what the root cause is, and we create a joint action plan in order to service it. I like to think about the relationship with sales as marketing has your back. Sales has to 
take a look at and really focus on current month, current quarter, maybe current quarter plus one pipeline. Marketing is responsible for making sure that when we, you know, when three months flies by, as it always does, that there's a par level of pipeline for the deal for the team to work at that point as well. So as long as we are having those conversations, making sure that we're aligned on goals and objectives and holding ourselves accountable, sales for the current pipeline and marketing for the future pipeline, I think that's the recipe for success in any sales and marketing alignment work. You know, you mentioned uh, it's, it's coming up on your one year anniversary here, you know, a handful of months into, uh, into your one, obviously pandemic struck, changed a bunch of things. Well, what did that change for you all at Logicate? Well, just like everybody else, people stopped picking up the phone. Uh, all events were canceled. I would say there was about a three to four week period where the whole market was in shock. We are not dependent on the airline industries or hospitality industries to, to sell our goods to. So we were not as affected as some, uh, some software providers who were heavily dependent on industries that were immediately and adversely affected. That being said, everyone had to recalibrate. So our pipeline definitely took a shock uh, for a couple of weeks and everyone in the industry kind of pivoted to a couple of things. One was the notion of helping, not selling. So we immediately paused all of our nurture programs, anything that could be just sort of on autopilot using language that would have sounded tone deaf uh, if we hadn't paused it. We worked with our sales teams and our biz dev reps to create messages for outreach that was designed to say, hey, listen, we're here if you need us. Here are a few tools. And in fact, we actually offered a business continuity process application for free on our website. Business continuity plans are plans that companies develop in order to deal with things like natural disasters or a pandemic. Business continuity plans are great, but if you don't have a system to really automate and systematize the process work, it takes too long. And sometimes when you're dealing with a natural disaster or a pandemic, you don't have that kind of time. So we uh, quickly made our business continuity solutions available for free. We also published some content really quickly that talked to the market about how we were dealing with our own business continuity you know, the, the, the fact that we had to send everybody home, the fact that, you know, all of a sudden we had to deal with all these secure, potential security issues that weren't issues since the vast majority of our team were in the office all day, every day. And the second piece, the, the, the other pivot we made was focusing on our customers, making sure that as they were sending their teams home, as they were grappling with some of these privacy and security issues that we were meeting them where they, where they were with potential solutions that they could already use using the platform they already owned from us. I think most of the market did that, did those same things in various stripes, helping not selling, maybe publishing content that uh, was designed to provide best practices if they had any to offer, um, and also focusing on the customer. But what we did at the same time is, you know, the, the bare fact of the matter is everything slowed down, right? Everything came to a screeching halt for several weeks with events canceled and you know, any marketer knows that there's a lot of uh, time suck that goes, into <laughs> that goes into the event motion. We actually had the opportunity to recalibrate. We actually had the opportunity to take a hard look at some of the stuff that was on our to-do list in terms of our messaging, in terms of um, our campaign plans. And 
reprioritize some things and make some new things priorities, knowing that we were going to be in this kind of pandemic-y situation for a while. Um, so that was definitely a silver lining. We looked at everything from our website to our collateral, to the way in which we were talking to customers and market through advertising and both inbound and outbound channels. And we identified a lot of places in which we could improve humanizing our messaging in which we could uh, maybe sequence things a little bit differently, maybe not be so product centric in a few of these campaigns. And I, I will look back on that time that maybe call it late March all the way through April timeframe with a mix of like, wow, I can't believe we got through that. And gosh, we really did some cool work during that time. Um, the good news is that, you know, for us, our, our, our pipeline bounced back pretty quickly. We do sell risk management software. So companies will always need systems to help them manage risk. I feel like we did a good job of maximizing that quiet time that we had and came out of it on the other side. I think a better marketing team and with a better set of uh, value propositions and ways of reaching our, our customers. Do you have any favorite campaigns that you've worked on, uh, you know, in the past year? Um, <laughs> right now, any campaign that doesn't have the phrases in these unprecedented times, uh, the new normal, <laughs> we, those are so overdone and I'm actually still getting totally. some emails and, and LinkedIn uh, messages with people saying oh, those no, things. I'm like, come on, yeah, guys. No, every we're day. like six months into it. Yeah. Like knock it off. We all know everyone's tired of it. Um, but all joking aside, the, the, the work that we did a couple of months ago um, around our risk cloud uh, platform, not because it was sort of the unveiling of the risk cloud platform, but more because it was a good campaign that not only put ourselves solidly in the shoes of our customers, but served to paint a really cool vision for what the future could look like. One of the things that was really a bummer about the COVID era is that all the messaging got kind of negative. The market was feeling kind of bad. Everyone was stuck at home. A lot of the messaging that I was seeing in market, again, in these unprecedented times, we decided to go a different way. We decided to paint the vision and opportunity. And a lot of companies are talking about operational resilience. And we, the messaging that we are putting into market these days talks about operational resilience as not as a, you better have this, so for the next time things go sideways that you're ready, but more in terms of, hey, the more resilient you are, the more healthy you're going to be. The more healthy you are, the better uh, loyalty and satisfaction you can drive with your customers. Let's paint a picture of a vision together that can take you to a better future. And it's not blowing smoke, positive messaging for positive messaging's sake. We really think that we have a way of, of solving a very old problem in a very new way that adds true value. We have over 150 customers doing this today and, and that, that number is growing by the week. Um, and so being able to put messaging into market that is sincere and human and reflects a positive and real message about the opportunities that can be created if you bring systems into place to help your customers and how other customers are already realizing that value today I'm proud of that work um, because it's true and it's real. And I like being kind of a, I, I like the, fa the, the idea that Logic Gate is kind of a beacon of, of light in, in a time that's been pretty challenging for a lot of our customers. Yeah. So um, I, 
I mean, I know you shared a little bit about it, but could you share more about like, you know, what risk cloud is like, why this is a big deal and kind of why, you know, why it was the time to, to launch a, um, I guess a product for lack of a better term. Sure. We set out to, well, like I said, the GRC space has been around for a long time, decades. There are very familiar problems that we are helping our customers solve that have been solved in myriad ways by a lot of players. It's a very large space. It's actually also growing at a very steady clip for as old of a space as it is. It's actually growing faster than the CRM market faster than the ERP market. And that's a testament to the fact that companies with increasing globalization and, uh, you know, obviously ongoing privacy and security risks will always have these problems. There's no getting around that. When we set out, when the company was founded five years ago, our founders were actually working for a management consulting company. You know, they spent a year at a time on site at clients, building these giant systems designed to help companies manage their governance risk and compliance programs, only to find that even though the customers had spent tons of money and spent a year in implementation, they weren't getting the outcomes that they were looking for. So our founders went into this saying, you know, these problems aren't being solved by the current technology stack that's out there. We think we know how to do it in a better way. So right now, We are solving an old problem in a new and cool SaaS-based, very agile way that allows companies to build whatever program they want. You know, a lot of companies have their governance, risk, and compliance processes written on whiteboards or sitting in a Google sheet with no way of operationalizing that. Our system actually takes that, that whiteboard, you know, set of workflows and, and squares and arrows and puts that into a system that's automated that moves things along in a way that makes sure that no email is missed, that no document is dropped, and that your process can be as tight as the workflow you build into it. The reason that we launched the Risk Cloud name was because not only do we see this as a very important step in giving risk professionals the tools they need to actually run their risk programs in a less risky way. It's very risky to run your risk program if you're looking at a whiteboard or if you're using emails and spreadsheets. But to be able to automate that and also put all of your risks in one repository, putting those all the different risks, third-party risk management, IT security risk management, incident management, controls management, in one repository, not only allows customers to work much more efficiently, but it also sets up an opportunity for a future state. We see a world where instead of having to react, you know, you get a, you've got some systems in place that can detect when a risk, risk threshold is breached. Maybe someone's trying to hack into your system and the alarm bells go off and then you go and you kind of whack-a-mole that problem and then you go whack-a-mole the next problem. Instead of taking that reactive posture, to risk, we see a world where customers can take a more proactive posture to risk, being able to quantify in dollars and cents how much risk each business unit is holding at any given time, a system that would allow those customers then take that quantified risk and apply potential solves to it in a way that the 80-20 rule is met, where if you, if you mitigate 20% uh, of, of, the, of the risk you solve 80% of the problem from a quantification perspective and ultimately give 
risk professionals and risk executives a seat at the table in strategic planning to, so that the business can actually take more strategic and better risk because they have such a good proactive handle on their current risk. And the risk cloud allows companies to do a lot of those things today. It also allows us time and, and space to uh, build more capabilities to allow customers to get closer to that desired future of quantification of risk uh, because we have the, the strong baseline of centralized repository and great reporting on risk processes. So we're excited about it because a lot of our customers partner with us and talk about that desired future and we think that we have a great path to get there. We're doing a lot of co-innovation work with our customers. We're listening to them all the time. And we use that to inform our roadmap. We use that to inform our partnerships. And we believe that the Risk Cloud is the way and will be the way of the future. SaaS-based, super agile. You can build whatever you want and have everything in one place to get to that desired future. So, you know, as you, um, as you look forward into, uh, into the near-term future, I'm curious about, you know, like partnership in general for for you all at Logicate. Obviously, you know, your platform integrates with a bunch of folks. You talked a little bit about kind of those partnerships. Like, do you look at partner marketing? Do you look at, you know, different ways to uh, to approach like channels and stuff like that? I'm curious, how does that fit into your in your marketing mix? Absolutely. So there are several different stripes of partnerships that we work with at Logicate. One is integration partnerships. So for example, uh, we integrate with Okta. Customers have systems in their business that either hold data or documentation or are other mission critical business systems like Okta from a single sign-on perspective. We wanna meet customers where they are and be able to provide them with an experience that doesn't mean they have to toggle back and forth and you know, have, a, have a really choppy day because they're logging into 15 different systems. So we pursue integration partnerships so, so that we can make sure that the solution we provide our customers is as seamless for them as possible. Integrates with all of their core line of business systems, integrates with their single sign-on systems in order to be able to uh, kind of seamlessly run their processes through LogicGate. We also pursue partnerships on the content and framework side. So um, if, if you're familiar with GDPR or CCPA, a lot of these laws and compliance regulations are extremely long and very unwieldy. And so there are frameworks and content providers that basically take these regulatory and other compliance laws and so forth, and they translate them into a framework which most of the time comprises a, almost like a big checklist of stuff that you have to make sure you provide evidence for and translating those laws into ways that companies can ap actually operationalize to make sure that they're complying. So there are, there are companies out there that provide these frameworks and provide this content that we then integrate with in order to be able to kind of give the customer more turnkey solutions. So if a customer is trying to comply with ISO, one of the ISO 27,000 frameworks, we actually have that framework already in our solution with uh, the content and the, all of the questions already and the workflows pre-populated. So it's much easier for the customers to get up and running quickly. And then we obviously partner with, uh, with partners that could potentially bring some uh, consulting to the table as well and help customers take 
some of the more unwieldy uh, risk management initiatives and operationalize them before putting them into the system. So it all goes down to meeting our customers where they are, understanding their maturity level in their risk management program and being able to provide them with the partner support that will allow them to get a lot of a lot of value out of their risk management programs and the systems they put into place. What trends are you excited about uh, going forward in marketing? So one of the another one of the COVID silver linings was almost like a almost like a kimono opening. You know, CMOs from all over the country were putting notes out on LinkedIn and in different Slack channels saying, hey, let's get together and just talk about what we're doing. Okay, everybody's events are canceled. What does that mean? How are you pivoting? Uh, what messaging is really resonating? What, what are customers getting sick of? I think the humanization of marketing messages and the way in which we're, I think, a lot more willing to share than we used to is something that I'm really excited about. You know, you mentioned earlier that we are a B2B company. You know, B2C has had this personalization thing. They're way ahead, right, in, in a lot of ways. And I think that there are always a lot of lessons we can learn from B2C, but it's only been in the past couple of years that I think the technology has caught up for us to have much better insights into how our customers are thinking about things and what their decision-making process is. 20 years ago, when I first started enterprise software marketing, it was what I call rented attention. It was showing up at the trade show and hoping that someone would come by who was part of your target market. It was buying lists and just emailing general messages and praying that, you know, a half a percent of those people would bite. I'm so happy to see (laughs) that that's over. You know, I still get way too many marketing emails, don't get me wrong, but the way in which we are humanizing, using those insights to personalize at scale in a way that actually means something to the customer uh, is something I'm really, really excited about. I think people are really coming together. This crisis has really brought a lot of people together because we realized that we couldn't survive this on our own. And I think that part will stick. Uh, some of the, the fellow marketing leaders that I've met through these, some of these meetups, uh, we talk to individually, I don't know, a couple of times a week. And the networking opportunities and the, the it takes a village mentality and the willingness to share best practices has been a real treat, not only for for me to learn, but for me to kind of benefit, help pe- other people benefit from what I think are a lot of mistakes that I've made and what I've learned from them. So there is just so much opportunity out there. The world is, is still spinning. Uh, people are still buying. People are taking the opportunity during this kind of COVID time to, to learn and, and to maybe think about their problems in a new way. And I am very optimistic that marketing leaders out there are listening to those calls and responding in kind. And I think that that will make uh, the messaging better. I think it'll make buying a lot easier uh, and making our customer journeys a lot have a lot less friction to them. So I think the future is very bright. Yeah. And I think like you said, you know, uh, I think a lot of people just had to rethink their strategy, rethink their funnels, rethink their digital experiences and just like you know, it's kind of a time to hit the tear button and say, well, if we can't do things the way we've always done them, then how should we do it from kind of like a foundational level? Yeah, people talk a lot about getting back to normal. And there's a lot about the old normal that I don't miss at all. Yeah, no kidding. Some of these 
practices behind that we used to do because we always did them and then they were sticky because there was just infrastructure built around them and uh, jobs associated to them. The opportunity that we had to rethink all of that, I think, was a gift. You mentioned that, uh, that you have a, a nimble team there. What, what do you look for in building a marketing team? What are the uh, personality traits? What does a, a marketer for uh, Gina look like? I have a couple of pillars that I look for. And those pillars I got from a HR business partner that I had a while ago who uh, was a fantastic business partner to me. And those pillars are attitude, aptitude, and upside, with attitude probably being the most important. You know, a lot of uh, wake-up calls the past six months about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And at Logicate, just like at everywhere else, we're taking a hard look at our hiring practices to make sure that we are uh, more diverse in our candidate pool and that we are crafting our job descriptions in a way that doesn't you know, unintentionally exclude certain folks. And I think that Attitude and aptitude and upside still apply uh, even more importantly now than ever before. Whereas I used to think, okay, if you, I'm looking for a program marketer, so I'm going to go out there, I'm going to find someone with experience in the software and a software company who is doing program marketing. Well, okay, you know, obviously that's, that's one way to look at it. But another way would be actually breaking down the marketing program manager job into the set of skills that you actually need to see in somebody, high attention to detail, you know, other ways of of figuring out what a programmatic skill set looks like, the ability to uh, lead by influence because the nature of marketing programs is that you basically have to get a lot of people to do stuff for you who don't work for you. So looking at uh, each of these job descriptions and understanding the aptitude for the skill sets that the job entails, as opposed to looking for keywords on a resume that say, you know, I was a marketing programs manager has been a great exercise for us. And I think is going to give us uh, a wonderful opportunity to, to put fantastic people in our business. It all starts with attitude. Are you willing to learn? Do you have a lot of intellectual curiosity? What do you think in terms of, of growth path? Having a growth mindset is incredibly important. Being comfortable with ambiguity. I mean, we're at a startup and the, you have to make a lot of decisions really fast with incomplete or sometimes bad information. Aptitude, again, goes back to what are the skills that you actually need for that job to be performed well, even if they don't necessarily have, have that exact experience. I used to work at a company where one of the other hiring managers had a very non-traditional way of finding talent. And this, this function hired a lot of people. And when I was in the new hire onboarding class, on one side of me was a person who had been driving a forklift at the Best Buy. And he was coming into the organization in a technical capacity. And I asked him about his path. And he said, well, I, you know, I taught myself to code at night. And even though I drove the forklift because it was better for my schedule, um, you know, sometimes I would be there for a couple hours before close and they would, they put me on the floor to, to help sell uh, some computers. And so, you know, because I have a technical skill set, that's how I found this job. The person on the other side of me used to be a river guide and she was entering the organization in a, not a completely technical role, but a somewhat technical role. And it was about the same story. It was, she had a certain set of skills that were needed for this particular job. 
And so that experience showed me that good talent can come from anywhere as long as you have those three pillars, that attitude, growth mindset, aptitude, and upside, you can't lose. So those are really what I look for in a team in team members, and it works pretty well for me. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. You can discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. Gina, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, do you have a favorite book or podcast that you've been reading or listening to recently? I'm loving how I built this as a podcast. And I am right now staring at my copy of Play Bigger which is a wonderful book about category design. Oh, yeah. We had um, Chris Lockhead. Gosh, that must have been 200 episodes ago at this point. Uh, (laughs) Wow, it's amazing you can still remember him. Yeah. Oh, we remember all of our guests here on Marketing Trends. (laughs) I know it's getting into winter time here in in Chicago, uh, but uh, what's the best thing to do in Chicago on a day off? Best thing to do in Chicago on a day off is go to Montrose Harbor. There is a bird and butterfly sanctuary at Montrose Harbor that's free to the public. And it is a grove of trees and native grasses and wildflowers. And you go in there and you feel like you're in a beautiful meadow in rural Michigan somewhere where you can stare at the Chicago skyline. So it is beautiful and quiet and a lot of uh, rare species of migratory birds hang out there during the migration season, and it is a hidden gem. And now I guess now everybody knows about it because I just told you. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's right. All all of our listeners. Um, Did you pick up a hobby during shelter in place? I did not. I have three children, and they take up most of my time, although I did teach them how to play euchre. So I already knew how to do that, but my kids didn't know. So now we play a lot of Euchre, which is a card game that uh, I picked up in college and is a big favorite. Yeah, I know. I, I know well. Um, best advice for a first-time CMO? Listen, take your first month and listen. Even if you've been doing marketing work and you've been a marketing leader for decades like me, I know how to do marketing, but I didn't know Logicate. So learn, keep your ears open the first 30 to 60 days, do more listening than talking. And only then should you actually start prescribing what you think the business needs. <laughs> so, you know, get some quick wins in the beginning, obviously, if there's anything on fire, put it out. But your team one, your team one is your executive team. The more time you can spend with them and understand their businesses, you know, marketing isn't just you know, for sales. Marketing also critically depends on engineering, on product, on operations uh, in order to be able, and on customer success. And so the best thing that you can do is understand the businesses of your peer group and uh, don't tell anybody what to do for a while, even if you think they want you to. Well, Gina, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any, uh, any final thoughts, anything to plug? No, I don't think so. I enjoyed my time today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for for joining. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll be following along to to Logicate. 
Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.